Hot. Hot. Nasty. Um, you want to go first, Steve? I do. Um, I was keeping a, a, a nice tally. And, uh, you know, there were so many things. Like... Uh, Restaurants that organize themselves around a single food. You're, you're, um, you're doing the things thing you do like again? when people say uh, "suns out, guns out," just because you roll up your sleeves, or um, when you realize that you're just like having a conversation with a person who turns out to be crazy, and you're like, "Oh, I've gotta, I've gotta get out of this conversation." Um, but instead, I'm gonna get rid of my coffee maker. Um, the bold choice of I have those to options. Eulogize my coffee maker. Uh, is this the same coffee maker that you had when we lived together? I've had that, that coffee maker. Was it Mister Coffee? I've had that coffee Black maker. Mister Coffee it machine. Was white. 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 Oh, it is white. Okay, yeah. yeah. Now I picture. It. I had that same Mister Coffee from 2014. Oh, I have had nice. that Mister uh, Coffee. Getting old, man. Um. And I went to make coffee today, and the switch didn't work. What do you do in that situation? Well, I had to use my roommate's coffee maker, which is this like weird machine pour over situation, which like it's got like a mesh filter, and I like put the shit in there, and then I put the water in there, and then it overflowed. Oh, there was like God. fucking <laughs> coffee everywhere. I was like, holy shit. Um, <laughs> So apparently, I don't know why then it has the, I filled it up to six. So I'm like, I don't know why it has the ability to hold up to 10 if the thing can't hold it. Um, I also think that sometimes my roommate is like, he'll like make a giant pot of coffee and then drink half a cup. Mm. Uh, so there is a chance that it was just already half full of coffee. Uh, and then I just made coffee into day-old coffee. Um, I have no idea what you're... It's so f it's fun to imagine this machine because I'm like a just, machine where opaque. you can't tell the, the, where the, the coffee... The picture it's is interesting. Opaque. No, I don't explain it's it. Like don't explain it to me. I want to have a crazy not, vision. Great. I, I'm not like explaining it to you. I'll explain it to Julie. Julie, it's like a I'm metal right. coffee container that looks almost like this a very milk rude, creamer. I'm not explaining it to you, Gina. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, excuse me. I'll just shut up then. I don't okay, want bye. you to shut okay. up. I want oh. you to talk. I want you what? to say so many things. <laughs> so many things. Just, I also just want Julie to have an accurate <sighs> mental picture of this coffee machine. Cool. Uh, she does milk creamer thing. Okay, yeah. done. Opaque. Dunzo. Dunzo. Um, so I'm like, I'm like super. Yeah, I'm sorry. Sad. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Do you Have you picked? Are you gonna do the same type of coffee maker? Probably. It was. You're like gonna go French press. You're gonna go. Oh, nice. That's nice, like nice. that's yeah. like three dollars a year for a coffee maker. I'm not gonna go French press. I'm not gonna go. Okay, French don't press. don't do it. That don't look at me like that. But don't do it. That's fine. Gonna You're not it. gonna get this weird robot machine that your roommate has either. No. Okay. Oh, for a second, I thought you were commenting about the fact that like my roommate has an R two D two French press. Um, Does your roommate have an yeah, R two D two yeah. French press? Well, then yeah. use that. No, Dad. I'm not oh going to do that because you can't make enough coffee that way. Okay. And then you have to have to heat the water separately, and I then know. you pour it in. It's classy, and you wait, Steven. And then you slide it down. Not when it's you in an R two D two French cool. press. That's pretty cool, though. <laughs> That's I'm, cool, maybe. Classy. I want to shake so his much. hand. All right. I like you that. can. You can. I can. That's true. Um, He's a nice guy. I've met him. Yeah. He's a very nice guy. Very nice guy. V nice. Shout out Raymond Curtis. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I 
Also, I'm like, I guess I'm going to be using this coffee machine for like the next several days because like I'm not, I'm, I need to like go to a Target or something to buy the mm-hmm. coffee machine. I'm not going to like go to a store around me and buy a $70 coffee machine. No, don't so do like, that. Yeah, you could just, go on the internet also. Just but then I have there. to wait two days. So it's better to just wait four days until I can go to Target. Sure. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah. That makes more sense. Doi. A doi. Right. Cool. Well, so, R.I.P. Um, Mr. Coffee. Out of respect, I I think I would like to move on. Yes, uh, I don't want you to, to tear up too right. much more than you already are. <sighs> okay. Uh, yeah. Um. Great. Well, I want to bring something back this time. My coffee maker <laughs> from <laughs> the dead. From the dead. <laughs> no, honestly, I don't care about your coffee maker. No what? offense. <laughs> uh, I'm leaving. Um, I'm done. I mean, I care about you having coffee. Okay, but what I want to bring back is I want to bring back the show Buffy the Vampire's Lair. Uh, I just really want to bring that show back because I've been thinking about it a lot. I've been watching it a lot. It's a great show. I know like later it's like, what? You're talking about media now? That's not what this time is for, Gina. But it probably will never come up. I was thinking that. Um, and I love this show. And also it's like a crazily kind of revolutionary show for when it came out. It's like an hour-long comedy. That doesn't happen because uh, I would say it's mostly comedy. It's like all about female friendships and the monsters are like, you know, metaphors for actual things that happen when you're a teenager. And then the fifth season, which I'm in the middle of rewatching right now, um, is just, it's super controversial, but it's like amazing because it was like, which one is the fifth season? The fifth season is the one where she's brought back. Ooh, spoiler. By the, if you haven't seen it brought back from the dead from like when she was in heaven, it turns out. And so the fifth season, like the monster, she died and went to heaven. She dies a million times. She dies all the time in this show, but in this one she died. Um, and she, and when they bring her back, like she, basically the, the monster of this show is like depression of the season is like depression. And this, the season is like really, it's like this internal, uh, thing of like her dealing with the fact that like she didn't, she was in a better place kind of, which is like a metaphor, you know, for like, for depression essentially, you know, um, in the way that it is in the show, not the way that I'm explaining it. Like that's not a one-to-one. Mm. Um, and there's like just, there's amazing, yeah, it's just, it's so great. And like the the lesbian characters who are a couple, I'm like, Willow the fact that Tara? Willow that and Tara, Tara, I'm just like the way that they yeah. show their relationship is right. incredible and like beautiful and not about men like objectifying them, you know? And it's just like, yeah. And it's all just, it's just a great show. So yeah. I just want to bring that back. And even Joss, when like Joss Smith, Whedon, uh, if you're Seth listening, Green, like, oh, Seth Green gets really jealous and like finds out that they've been together. He like doesn't have any like, he he's like jealous from a point of like I still love Willow and not well from like yeah a, he so he left he he broke up with her before she well, realized she was gay was a good guy. no no I'm I saying before like, they didn't start dating till after they he right. broke up with her and but like been his like anger years. when he like smells Willow oh on sure her that is not it is yeah. out of jealousy and like desire for Willow not for right not like, like being hatred against the fact that, that she's, she's a lesbian yeah. yeah yeah for sure um, yeah. Also, where in the timeline does she die? Like, I where end of season between, four. But like, uh, she jumps uh, off the thing. Okay, so there's. I need to oh, know. Oh, sorry. Oh my god. Sorry. Man. Sorry. Sorry. Uh, Julie's covering her ears. No. Julie. Okay. Uh, so no, but like, okay, so there's a great there's a podcast by the way that goes through every single episode. It's awesome. Um, when does she die? So the season before she dies, the main villain is Glory, who's the god. So that's right. the one where it's okay. like, oh shit, it's a god yeah. who's our villain, and then to defeat her. She has to like jump into this like 
you know thing like hell whatever like thing hell to like cooking. close the uh, to like kill glory to like close the the gate. gap she created so yeah. that like you know the earth doesn't get destroyed and so she dies when she does that but she's died so many times and she's like such a you know champion of like good mm-hmm. that it turns out that like her friends brought her back because they're like she jumped into hell she must be in a horrible hell dimension um, but it turns out she was in quote unquote heaven. She was in the heaven dimension. Yeah. <laughs> so she's like, fucking thanks guys. Yeah, exactly. I was yeah. stoked earlier. Right. Um, but it's a great reveal when that happens. Doesn't happen for until like halfway through the season. And it's, it's just a great show. I love this show. So All it's right. been, I started watching it as a joke, rewatching it as a joke. And now I'm like, this show is the best. So I like. <laughs> I used to watch it a lot because it used to come on like two hours in the morning and I would get up and I would watch cool. one and a half episodes because I would have to go to school. Mm. But like, uh, 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 um, I think I might have started watching some of it with you. Oh, yeah. I started watching it again when we lived together. And like it, a year and a half ago, I started rewatching it. There was a slowly. moment where, well, it's kind of wild to be like, yeah, only a year and a half ago we were roommates. It yeah, feels well, like, a year yeah. ago. That's not what this, yeah. Mm-hmm. I know it's not what this is about, but, but it's not not what it's about. It's almost a year ago, yeah. like June first is when we, yeah, yeah. which That's is right. when we're recording this at least is like a week from today. Wow, trippy. But uh, uh, I remember like seeing Xander and being like, "Oh man, you suck!" Oh, Xander sucks. Like you're supposed to be, Ugh. and like and like from a filmmaking perspective, I I was like. I feel like we're supposed to see him as like the lovable nerd like who's goofy. hapless with women, but it's like oh, he's just you're a walking up sexual harassment dude. Yeah, yeah, he's the worst. And in season five, especially, he's really sucks too. Because this is when he I don't want to spoil too much. I mean, <laughs> you know, you're, you're, yeah. yeah, yeah. Anyways, yeah. he sucks. Yeah. But sorry, but, Xanderheads. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah. If you Anyways, can tell, his name is Xander. So yeah. like I don't know okay. how many Xanders you know. Um, but. my nephew now once i'm married he'll be my nephew his name's xander just with a z and he's gonna be the coolest kid he's two and almost three two and a half so uh time has yet to decide uh he's the coolest okay he go he says cool things he's smart he's awesome he's really smart he can like read books already like get out of here can you even read a book come on get out of here like what 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 books? What books? Like War and Peace, you wow. know. Wow, that's and such stuff. a fuckboy book. <laughs> <laughs> All those pictures. He's just looking at the pictures. God. Oh yeah. Anyways, All right, are we are we let's doing do this? it? Welcome to Should We Keep This, the cultural review <laughs> podcast that you know and love podcast. that looks back over fifty years of film, music, and television. Changelin. 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 <laughs> you're in the Challenging your nostalgia to get it. The question should we? Should we? Should we keep this? I'm Stephen Moskis. I'm Gina Stevenson. And today we're talking about Kramer versus Kramer. And the top 10 songs of 1979. Are you being a character from one of the movies? Uh, No, I was being the uh, record producer um, who who was behind the the studio of of the the song that we just recorded. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Got it. Like, very good. It was very... Uh, You could do a one-man show. Oh, I'm I'm drafting it, actually, in my notes. 
Great. Yeah. Yes, so 1979. Um, we're once again doing some songs Ooh, and a movie. Um, because Kramer vs. Kramer was top grossing and best picture this yeah, year. Believe it or not. Yeah. Um, so, should we start? I'll just should I give a synopsis of Kramer vs. Kramer? Should we just jump into some songs? What are you feeling like, Steven? You know what? Let's... Fuck it. Let's do some songs. Let's go into some fuck songs. It, fuck it. Okay. Okay. Um, great. Should we start again? We'll start with 10 and we'll work our way down. I love the idea of that. Cool. Um, We're also introducing, ooh, to keep things fun. Oh, my God. Uh, a little timer. Woo! So that for each song, we can give only one minute of context, and then the timer goes off and we explode. Yeah. Ready? Uh, great. I didn't exactly great. communicate this very well to Steven, so we'll see how he does. But I was prepared for my idea. All right, so um, start I'm, with oh, number I'm ten. So glad. Okay, yeah, I yeah. know exactly. So number ten is a song that you obviously have heard of and know every word. It's called "Sad Eyes" by Robert John. Timer um, started. What? Oh, oh! I thought it was. Going. <laughs> no, I gave you the. I'm gonna come in. I gave under you the title. title. I don't know what to do. Uh, <laughs> Go. Yeah, he um. His first hit was at 12 years old with the song White Bucks and Saddle Shoes. White Bucks? White Bucks. Bucks. Got it. Yeah. Bucks. <laughs> Got it. Um, yeah. And basically, he'd been doing a number of songs throughout the late 50s into the 70s. Um, and his biggest hit is probably The Lion Sleeps Tonight. Oh. Yeah, you would not expect oh. it because this guy looks like the P.I. from Stranger Things. I don't remember what that guy's name is as a... Uh, you like, mean like the police officer? Like Sam, no, 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 Sean? you're the one in the se- in the season two that they, that like yeah. Barb's oh, yeah, family yeah. hires. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. That okay. guy looks like that guy, but he is like... Uh, crazy counter tenor wails up in the air. Um, honestly, we can keep it because oh, just who the cares? info, just the info. Oh, but what? Beep. What? I, A minute of info. Yeah, you're good. Yeah. Okay, cool. Okay, you're good. Now, so you're good. Just, oh, so you're done but, with the info. Sorry, I just want to make sure. Yeah, but like, what, I turned but now off the I gotta tell me. Now I gotta say whether or not I want to keep it. Yeah, well, we both say it. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna say it too. But you say Three, it. Three, two, one. Oh, yeah. No. What? Why? Are you serious? Yeah. Okay. This What's song. Like, oh, it's, let it's me explain. Like- this song is about a dude saying goodbye to his mistress because his real like lady is coming home, and he like one of the lines is literally, "I never used you. You know, I really cared." And the whole the, the like chorus is like, "Turn the other way. I don't want to see you cry," because he's like feeling guilty that he's got a mistress. Uh, and he's just like totally used this lady, and it's like you're so sad because I I I I used you, but I get to leave now, and I get to leave you bummed out, and it's also very sappy and really like melodramatic with the instrumentation, and I'm just I'm not into this song. Steven? I just <laughs> that's my I opinion. Unless didn't we hear the lyrics that I'm, I'm, trying, I'm like pulling up the lyrics right now because I, I just fucking miss that one. That the, it's like you're. That's the very beginning. He says she's coming here. I'll, oh, it does say she's coming home today. I missed that. Looks one like it. O- looks like it over. I, it's, I can't speak. Really. It looks like it's over. You knew you I couldn't stay. She's, she's coming, coming home, home today. We yeah, had a no, good I thing. I'll miss your Babe, sweet love. I regret. Why that I just must said you that. look at me this um, way? I'm just no. I'm, this is fun to do a dramatic reading of it. No, I yeah. Look. In time, your broken heart will mend. He's so patronizing too. Like you know what, I dude, Okay, fine. You 
win. I <laughs> yes, I it's all about winning. Missed that one probably <laughs> because the video that I like because I was like listening to it on YouTube and I thought he was described as being twenty one, and I was reading it and I was just like I was like I was looking at him being like this dude can't be fucking twenty one. What the fuck? What? I don't. And he's not. He's like oh, four. Okay. Okay. Like it, it, I mean. <laughs> he's like, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so I was like, okay, that makes more sense. But I must have just spent so much time like thinking about that. Mm, that sure. 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 Totally. That, yeah. That yeah. makes sense. Uh, also, this the last time we looked at songs, there weren't really music videos, and now right, there are music videos. There are so videos. I, so yeah, it makes sense to not see all the lyrics because those videos are exciting. Yeah. Um. Great. Except for his. He was just kind of sitting in a chair. Oh, well, I didn't um, watch that one, unfortunately. But. Yeah. But um, it wasn't an yeah. enthusiastic short. Sure, okay. It was like, a, oh, I <laughs> uh, haven't really just heard much in yeah. here that I care about. And yeah. also the song wasn't kept. Fuck it. I don't have to no, defend you don't. my. Yeah, I well, also you, think that You do have to defend we your answer. Go. But okay. Okay. Um, great. Okay. Number nine. This is Ring My Bell. Ring mm. My Bell. Mm. Anita Ward. One minute timer. Okay. I do Go. it for myself as well. Um, so this was written by Frederick Knight and originally, who's a songwriter and a singer, and he originally wrote it mm-hmm. for an 11 year old singer yep. <laughs> named Stacy something. And originally, I guess it was supposed to be this innocent song about kids calling each other on the phone. Um, but then that girl signed with a different label. And so when this guy Knight was recording an album with Anita Ward, her first album, they were one song short and he like dug up this song and changed the lyrics real fast so that it was sexy. And right. she apparently wasn't like super into the song at first, but cause she was kind of like, oh, I guess whatever. But she agreed to record it. It ended up being her only major hit. It got her nominated for a 1980 Grammy for best female R and B vocal performance. Um, and also Knight said that he intentionally avoided any explicit sexual language language in the song language, language trying to project this like clean cut image for Ward. Uh, even though obviously the ring my bell phrase is definitely sexually suggestive. Timer. Wow. Oh, stop. That was well (laughs) done. Thanks, man. Um, Well done. Thanks, friend. Okay, ready? One, two. Do you want to keep it? One. Do you want what? You seem surprised that I'm asking if we want to keep it. One, two, three. Yeah. 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 The 11-year-old thing <laughs> yeah. freaked me out, but I'm yeah, glad yeah, yeah. that you said that he Same. like reworked yeah. it cuz then I was like, "Oh, I have to change my At answer. first, that's uh, what I, I Yeah, it took uh, me a while like, to find that he actually whoa. changed the lyrics yeah. cuz that could have been very creepy. Yeah, yes. it kind of reminds yes. me of Did you ever hear that song um Dingling by uh Chuck Berry? No. No, he like has like silver bells tied on a string that like his grandmother gave him uh-huh. and he says he calls it my dingling and like then the whole rest of the song it's like all him like you know talking about this like my bells ding-a-ling. on a string but he's singing about his ding-a-ling-ling. you know I'm, like, in my room playing with my dingling oh god <laughs> <It's>, what yeah. <laughs> that's crazy um but he's Yikes. doing it ironically like intentionally. yeah i see okay all right uh yeah, so number Any, eight. Or, oh, okay. Do you want to say anything about what you do, what you like about it? Or oh, sure. We, yeah. yeah, yeah. Just you know, to, like yeah. I. So, um, we're getting to some different songs, but what I like about this one is that like she, like, a. I mean, it's not necessary that that, that uh, you know a good song means there's a couple in like a happy relationship, but it is every once in a while nice to be like, oh yeah, we are just like 
celebrating a couple of like a yeah. healthy sexual relationship. Totally. Um, and they're like both into it and also just like her kind of owning her sexuality in a way that doesn't really like call on tropes that appeal to male sexuality. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I'm like in it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And cause ring my bell, the way that it's like the, the meaning that it's attributed to it is like, make me come right right? and so it's cool that like the whole thing is not it's not about like oh all the things i'll do to you but it's like you can make me come if you want you know and it's like Mm -hmm. that's awesome Mm -hmm. you go girl there is one line there about like just sit back while i do the dishes and i'm like that line did not have to be there can we just get rid of that one line (laughs) just sit back while i knit you yeah (laughs) and i'm like it's also like very weird yeah it's so domestic and then the rest of it's very sexy but yeah but yeah let's keep it all right, number eight. Number eight. A well-known song. Yeah, coming well-known at you. song. The YMCA. <laughs> it's fun uh, to stay at it. Yeah. Which, uh, <laughs> so this is uh, the first hit by the Village People. And they, I got to say, I've realized watching them for the first time that like, oh, part of their shtick was that they are not just like I think they've been tropified, but then to like see them in an original context being like, oh, this is like like gay people can look like everybody. Mm. I'm like, hmm. oh, oh, that's like mm. something I'm seeing now that I think never really was a part of their depiction prior to like out it like in later contexts. Um so this song is like wildly popular at sporting events used to rev up the crowd. They have the famous Mm -hmm. YMCA Mm -hmm. dance. You know Mm -hmm. it. You learned it in middle school and (laughs) elementary school probably. (laughs) Um, But it's now the writer of the song at first said that it was about promoting promoting uh, basketball and and sports, but then later admitted that he liked the euphemisms to the cruising spot of the YMCA. Fuck me! Nice. Well done. That was great. No, are you kidding me? You can finish your sentence. Finish your thought. Yeah, that that originally yeah. he said it was just about like just, sports about, like, yeah, and the YMCA is a great and, yeah, place. Yeah, and then and then he was like, all right, well, it is like a good you know cruising spot. Yeah. Um, but something that like I didn't feel appropriate in giving the context because there's nothing that like really owns up to it. But I think that to me it was clear that like at this point in time you have a, a crisis in major cities of like gay homeless youth Mm. and so part of it to me seemed like it was inevitably uh like a psa in terms of Mm -hmm. like hey you don't have to sleep on the street yeah there are lots of people who have come to the ymca for uh like inexpensive housing and you can like take a shower and you can take care of yourself. And then also there'll be lots of people there going through the same thing. Right. And I'd be like a community. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't find anything that like validated his intention in writing that. Mm. And in like, and maybe he didn't, it's just me seeing that now or like, like it was just some, but to me, I'm like, that is a very like palpable, uh, theme. Yeah. Permeating <laughs> the, the song. The song. Yeah. Um, I agree. Well, so yeah. does that mean we should keep, keep this? it? Oh, I went really high. I wonder you're how right that's going to sound you're in your right. earbuds. You're right. You're right. Um, you're right. Yeah. You're right. I'm all right. You're right. 
I say yes. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Agreed. And totally what you said. It's so cool. You like the, cause it's such a, it's so awesome. Like you said, that, like, it's crazy that, yeah, I remember the song from like elementary school right. dances, uh, you know, and up and like the, because they're, and, they're, and elementary oh, and, and up. up. Honestly, I just thought you meant like up the movie. I was like, the song isn't up. <laughs> yeah. What well, you didn't watch it. I remember because spoiler, you were in the spoiler yeah, about it. Um, but that's not what I meant. I meant every dance <laughs> after that. Uh, for um, but like, and so it's so like the, the, like, you know, there's catchiness and like the beat of it is like what mm. people know. And, and like, but the fact that like, you're like, some of the lyrics are explicitly the message is like the, you know, the re- repetition of young man. It's like, I'm talking specifically to you, like through this song. And essentially like, there's a part of it where, yeah, exactly. It says that where it's sort yeah. of, I was also once like down and out and right. didn't think that people cared about me. And then I found this community, you know? And so like, it's so that double meaning is so delight. It's just so wonderful. And it's, it's really cool that something that, you know, even if it, it cause it does sound like, yeah, that it was intentionally both about the YMCA and about gay culture yeah. that like, it's so pervasive in popular culture is just really awesome. Yeah. I mean, just everything from like, like you can, they will like provide you with food and a yeah. shower. I just wish I don't. And I'm so curious about how like, they how like politics around being like an openly gay persona um would influence their willingness to like talk about issues that like were deeply affecting the gay community like mm-hmm. they had, like what they had to sort of like tiptoe around to stay um even though they're like gonna be on the fringes mm. of what was sort of seemed uh, deemed appropriate, like in what where, way were they still having to sort of mitigate that culture to fit into mainstream culture? Mm-hmm. I wonder if that was like, I, again, I was like trying to find it, but like, I, I, I wonder if the reason I can't find it is because they didn't talk about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, interesting. Um, let's move on. Yeah. Number seven, <clears throat> hot stuff. Baby tonight by Donna Summer. I'll start the timer once you're done with that. <laughs> great and go. Great. Um, great. So yeah, Donna Summer. This was not written by Donna Summer. A bunch of dudes wrote this. Um, it's from her seventh album, Bad Girls. Um, and up until this song, she'd mostly been associated with the disco but this song is more is definitely like rock as well mm-hmm. includes a guitar solo by ex doobie brother slash steely dan guitarist jeff skunk baxter <laughs> <laughs> i mean i love the doobie brothers um, and the skunk has some sweet sweet riffs <laughs> oh yeah man Ooh. you know bro um this uh, song skunk won her i'm on a timer steven stop it it won her the 1980 grammy grammy and best female rock vocal performance which was the inaugural year of that award so it was like created because this she did such a good song job in this song they think um this song has appeared in weird places like the full monty the martian mm-hmm. the movie that just came out a few years ago a walmart mm-hmm. christmas commercial from 2017 and professional wrestler hot stuff eddie gilbert used the song as his entrance theme until his death in 1995 timer well, whoa it was wow. exactly when i was that was all the info i had no, that was just killer dylan feeling like some hot, hot stuff baby the scene um, what do you think about this steven one two three yeah 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 Yeah. i mean like to me i just i thought that like 
the it so some of the some of the disco is like this just because it's like a dance song. I feel like some of the lyrics are like the pattern is like a little bit more circular. So I feel like there's like a couple instances of content, shall we say? But like I just felt like the the lyrics were fine of like you know looking for a you know waiting for my lover to call. Mm-hmm. I just felt like it was everything was kind of. It's kind of in the same realm as Ring My Bell, but like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, well, because this one, she's like, she, what she said, she's like dialing every number she's got looking right. for somebody who's down today. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I, I'm like, keep, but also sort of meh. Because like I, I was, I, a lot of these songs, I went through a lots of like crisis, crisis questions where I was like, whoa, like what is with all these dudes writing sexy songs for women performers? And then I was like, blah, um, that's a whole other thing. But also with this, like I did in doing more research, like she also co-wrote a lot of mm. other songs. So I do feel like she had some agency in like right. deciding what she wanted to do probably. So if she didn't want to do this song, then she wouldn't have. Right. Um, and then there's also the issue of like, like it, it's definitely a com. I feel like the the comment isn't necessarily on this song, but on like male female representation in song in songwriting. Because mm-hmm. like at the time, it's like not unusual for. I mean, it's still not unusual for the singer of a pop song to yeah. not have written it. Totally. So like, it also. I mean it. it it's rightness aside. It's not right, but it's also totally believable given what we have seen so far with the gender politics of the seventies that the, that the, uh, songwriting, (laughs) (laughs) that the songwriting population, uh, the people who are professional songwriters are going to be mostly men. Yeah. Right. But so like, and that's then people want sexy songs why, for men and you know? women. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I just like the fact, or not the why, but just the fact that like, and even today it'd be interesting because I don't actually know the facts right. about this, but how many men write songs for women that are especially mm. sexy songs versus like female songwriters writing songs for men that are sexy songs. Yeah. And yeah, it doesn't, It's it only came up for me about this song in particular because I was just thinking of like, she has other songs, she has another song that comes later which she did co-write, mm. you know, so just kind of like, I don't know, like, celebrating the ones that she had some songwriting agency no, in I seems totally cool feel too. That. I totally but, feel that. I'm just wondering yeah. what degree, like, no, yeah, I, I, don't. I don't think that it's, cause there is, a, I don't think it like punishes her to take the song away, but I'm wondering like, to what extent is this song like paying the price for that? I mean, cause like there's gotta be male sexy songs and women sexy songs. So like how many sexy songs did these guys write for men versus women? And like, if now I, that is an interesting question of like, if like of all the songs that they wrote, like 90 out of a hundred were sexy songs for women. Mm-hmm. And then the ones for men were like, the, uh, she thinks my tractor sticks, <laughs> like, right, right, right. you know, uh, or like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or no, you, totally. And it's right. And I don't have those stats and it, right. it wasn't like specific to this song, but it is interesting too. Yeah. How it seems like songs are the only, maybe like the only media in which women just like being like looking for mm. sex or like having a sexual life. that is all that we see of them is like uh welcome, you know, or accepted. Right. It's, it's interesting, you know, cause I feel like just even like this is the seventies and yeah. And just like this song is just about this lady, like 
being horny you know right. and like no other media i feel like it, would have it, that it is, it is so be bizarre. accepted yeah it's interesting and then it, it's also like to what degree since again not not a good thing men are kind of in the dominant position in all forms of media yeah, yeah. why is it that the men in power find it appropriate to mm. to pull the strings that way in music whereas not pulling the strings that way in mm-hmm. uh, like film and TV. Sure. Yeah. It's, it's just yeah. like a yeah I don't know. Yeah. Don't know either. And it could be I wonder if it's because now I'm just kind of wondering even though music videos are becoming a thing if it has to do with like not seeing them like you're listening to music while you're doing something else as opposed mm-hmm. to like watching mm-hmm. you know I don't where people people just are able to have like an out of sight out of mind attitude towards it i, I honestly yeah well right, i'm just but guessing totally like, but i really don't know yeah which will be interesting then when like but then because music videos obviously are yeah. a chance for us to see sexy women doing you know dancing sexy you know right. so like then that adds a whole new layer to it you yeah know? and then i i feel like you know i've you know read plenty watched plenty on like people talking about like moral degradation through like scanty clad women in music videos and that mm-hmm. kind of thing mm-hmm. um so yeah i don't so I, well, yeah, I wonder if it's just a visual thing yeah um yeah let's yeah i don't know either let's let's keep going what? shall, shall we? We, shall, shall, we, shall we shall we shall so oh my gosh this next song oh yeah oh you know it baby you know it you love it yeah the I Will Survive what? by Gloria Gaynor. What? Also written by two dudes. Yes, indeed. Um, but yeah, big old disco anthem. It was uh, it reached number one on the Billboard Hot 100s and the UK singles charts in consecutive weeks. Oh, yeah. Um, no, but it's also... So this is like... Sorry, I'm getting, oh. I'm, I'm moving along. Sorry, no, no, no. Um, You've got but, 40 seconds, oh, Stephen. Fuck me. Yeah, no, um, so this song is like a song about female strength. It's also become, and it's like, for whatever reason, probably just because it's, it's, it's disco, it's also like seen as a as a gay anthem, and it was originally released uh, with uh, the cover of a Righteous Brothers song, and they were like, you know what? It was going to be the B-side, and they were like, you know what? Mm. I think this is going to be the big one. Mm-hmm. So they flipped it, made it the single, baby. Yeah, baby. Oh, yeah. And also, uh, it's like one of the only disco songs that has no Tyler. background singers. Oh, fascinating tidbit. Ain't that a fascinating Tid- tidbit. <laughs> it is. Um... Whoa. Tuberculosis. In- insensitive. TV. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I insensitive know. to who? To tuberculosis sufferers. Okay. Well, I'm sorry, Edgar Allan Poe and all <laughs> your dead cousin wives. Oh. Wow. Steven, I don't know if I will survive <laughs> this moment. But shall we see if we should keep this on? One, two, yeah, three. I da, say da, da, da. we should we have keep to keep this, this song. It's so good. No, I it's love so it. It's so good. And like, I. So just watched uh, the show Easy. Did you watch the show Easy? Mm-mm, oh, it's no. a fucking great show. But there's uh, a very similar thing of like this uh, this woman wants to break up with her girlfriend. And so then she does. And she's like out, you know, like 
she goes immediately out and like is fucking around and doing all kinds of stuff and then she like doesn't have a place to stay so she ends up like kind of crawling back to her girlfriend who like who to her ex who then gets like ends up with this date that of like someone that she's kind of had a crush on for a long time and then she like gets really pissed and is like super mani- trying to be like super manipulative and I'm like fuck you like what god and this song is like the song version mm, of that yeah i'm like oh yeah. man this is fucking totally. this song. song is so good it's so good it's so good and yeah like the the composition too instrumentally is super dynamic which just keeps it fun it keeps it rocking mm. the whole time through yeah. and yeah the the lyrics just like strength straight what um but no uh i, I was to, a little I distracted no, by, i was no just because okay um yeah just all about strength and like prioritizing yourself and saying no to unhealthy relationships like that's so awesome you go lady mm-hmm. so yes love this song yeah um yeah shall we move to the next one? Oh, oh. 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 i didn't say i forgot to did you think i'd lay down and die Sorry, listeners. Just, just for the volume, not for the... Keep going, yeah. As long as I know how to love, I know how to stay alive. Because <laughs> I got all my life to live. Got all um, my love to give, uh, yeah. and how else I... I was going to do this at the end of the show, so now I can't. So thanks, Stephen, for that. Um, you need to give your version at the end of the show. That's true. I mean, true. if you can follow it. That's true. I don't know if I can. I forgot to say what this is the year of. Oh, I keep forgetting. I'm the worst. Can we... Can we, can we do we want to do, do it? Do Should I interrupt do it this? Between? So it doesn't get lost. Yeah. You know what well, I mean? I just like don't let me forget. Okay. Quint, uh, try, okay. Just don't let me forget. Okay. Yeah. Don't let me forget. I'll okay. Don't to hold you to a let me. Than, you can hold me to a higher standard than you hold yourself. That's fine. Yeah. This, doesn't everyone do that for everybody? Ooh, interesting. Interesting <laughs> oh, bird on, every, on everybody. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Song number five Reunited by Peaches and Herb. 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 Peaches and Peaches herb. herb. Well, if it's a name, it's Herb. Probably. Fair. Uh, anyways, Peaches and, and Peaches is a name. Well, as you'll find God. out with my context. All right, um, okay. Slap me with and that sweet, sweet Peaches context. and Herb. I'm gonna slap you with this context. Okay, <laughs> reunited by Peaches and Herb. Interestingly enough, same songwriters as I Will Survive, which mm-hmm. is funny, cool. Um, this was a huge crossover hit, topped both pop and soul charts. And funnily enough, just random fact, it was sung by David Hasselhoff at the fall of the Berlin Wall in 1989, reuniting two lovers in the song, but Berlin. Um, so Peaches and Herb, Herb is the name of an R&B duo. It was created in 1966, and Herb is this guy stage name Herb Fame, born Herbert Feemster, so Herb Fame. Um, and he was always Herb, but the the duo went through seven different women who filled the role of Peaches. Um, and, like, he kept breaking up. He kept being like, nope, I'm going to dissolve the duo. And then he would, like, bring it back and choose a new woman. Um, this song featured the third Peaches, Linda Green. She was also the Peaches for their big hit, Shake Your Groove Thing, from the year before. Um, also, fun, the reason why Herb Fame dissolved the group several times was to pursue a career in law enforcement. No! Um, the timer. Uh, yeah. Finish it. I'm curious. Because kind of once he, like, he stopped it so that he could enroll in the police academy, and then later he brought the band back together, but with a new person, and then he stopped it again to become a U.S. Marshal uh later on yeah and and so just the crazy thing is that they've been a duo he's had this duo until the early 2000s the recent album most recent album came out in 2009 so Uh he's been the herb in herb and peaches for like 50 years 
Peaches and Herb, excuse me. Yeah, he's he's a gentleman, so her, it should, I mean, <laughs> right? Peaches first. Many ladies yeah. first, yeah. He actually just uh, calls. Uh, ooh, never. Ooh. I was gonna make a joke about him calling all women peaches, but like he mm. may do that. And he that's probably. Awful. That's like I not mean, funny. that that's seems to like be what this yeah. duo is all about. Yeah, they're all the same woman. You'll just never know. You right. couldn't tell. So yeah, that's that's them. That's a little bit of context. Um, should we keep this song, Stephen? Uh, one, two, two three. three. Yeah. yeah, it's a shrug. It's, it's such a like shrug of a song. About, I'm like, I don't care. Fucking, it's unlike, unlike you know, I will survive and just you're <laughs> yeah. just like, ah, oh, right, gosh, yeah. yeah. Even one I'm about to do that I'm not gonna say quite yet. Ooh. Um, it's still like a fucking right. There's like there's there's feelings attached to it. Yeah, yeah. this, this song is like, so. It's like, it's, it's, it's real sad eyes to me. It's very sad eyes, but without the strong lyrics to give it an... Yeah, right. it's just without about... Like it's a, like a, yeah. a couple That's and the they're like... between five and ten is no lyrics that make it just instantly hateable. Mm, true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it just doesn't seem to... Yeah, maybe I just wouldn't listen to it, but maybe that's fine, you know? Like, it's a fine song. Right. It's just not for us, maybe. Like, yeah. it's a little slow. It's a little sappy. But it's a sweet message. We're meant. It's like a couple that's back together, and they're like, "We're so happy we're reunited." Yeah, that's nice. I mean, as Good long for as, them. As long as, like, you know. It's funny because Herb and Peaches. It's like, oh, it's I'm back with the same person for once because right. she was on the other <laughs> song. <laughs> you know. So yeah. Good. You're a different person. <laughs> right. Than you were. Than you were before. When you were the other Peaches. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. So yeah. just meh. Well, we'll keep it for now. This I guess. Is meh. Yeah. All right. All right, next. Uh, so this next one is uh, <laughs> Do You Think I'm Sexy by Rod Stewart. Right. Not do you, but da ya. Da ya. Da ya. And uh, just like simple, kind of fun. So this is, uh, he, hold on one second. Pause. Fucking I'll pause, pause the, the timer, Stephen. Fuck me. Um, no, I lost the quote so um the shall i resume sure all the royalties <laughs> of this were donated to unicef um and this song was for the most part uh plagiarized um from a song called taj mahal by a guy named george ben jor i'm assuming i'm assuming it's not jorge ben hor but like i don't know that it isn't um it's from it was done as like a parody to disco because he knew um he like thought disco was dumb uh but then he like met the Bee Gees and they were like he thought that they were really like smart guys and, and good musicians so he like made this sort of like semi disco y song because he was from like a rock group called the small like, the small faces i don't know but you got two seconds oh it's uh, it can be done Ooh. Oh, well, it's yeah. done. <laughs> um, but yeah, no. Uh, you want to keep it? Three, two, two one. one. No. no. <laughs> What's the main reason you don't want to keep it? Because um, I know a main reason. The main reason, to be honest, is that I watched the music video while I listened to this song. Uh-huh. And my God, <laughs> it's so he's such a narcissist in this video and i'm like this song i mean the lyrics you know are just like very clearly both of their point of view 
Yeah, he sings her. He's like, she thinks this, he thinks that. Right. Sure. But he is singing it only. And, you know, and like the power in the relationship. Mm. The first line of the song is she sits alone waiting for suggestions. So I'm like, okay, I'm kind of done. Like, What's the second line? I don't remember because so I didn't write it down. He's so nervous, avoiding all the questions. So, like, yes, it is a first. Yeah. But like the yeah. but the second line makes it so that they're both that way. They're both, yeah. But like, she's but waiting would, for him to like make the move. Well, I can say that there's what I what I would like to say. My my main reason Please. for not keeping it is that uh, he goes that goes. Um, now hold hold on a minute before we go much further. Give me a dime so I can phone my, my mother. mother. Implications. She's not going to go home that night. And she needs to let her mother know because they live together. <laughs> so I presume mm. unless she is like uh, like a librarian who's just still stuck at home at 33 uh, which is more of a cultural no commenta- commentary. Like at the time that is what the culture viewed librarians as not what I personally view librarians as, but then he goes, then it says, uh, they catch a cab to his high rise apartment. Mm-hmm. I'm like, Nope, Nope. Don't like the power dynamic in this relationship oh, at yeah. all. If he's no, got a high rise apartment and she lives with her mom. Right. I don't get and it. And then she's like, she and then he, school? and then he's like, um, don't worry. Like I'll stop. I'll hold myself back. Like he says stuff about like sexually about like power and, like I'll be good or you know something like I don't remember the exact line but yeah, yeah. It, and no, the music okay. video people you should watch this music video because it is lols like and I know people say I don't know why I said lols um but like the whole thing like she's just there's so many close-ups of this woman like sipping on a straw and it like zooms into her mouth and she like sips on this like you know thin straw yeah, and I guess there's like, yeah. like his, but uh, she, yeah I mean do you <laughs> think I'm sexy no and then him like trying so hard penis. to be sexy yeah and he is it's just the different time you know the mullet the outfit I'm just like yeah. I do not he think you're like sexy a, but you're asking like the question and the, symbol and you're like really I, yeah I, I really yeah wow yeah. um so yeah I don't fun, fun thing about yeah. this video is that I the implications uh based on when MTV turned 25. They aired this like marathon of music videos um, that were all the music videos that aired the first day, and uh, his was first. So I think that mm. means that this song is like the first song Whoa. that ever played on MTV. Wild as a video. Yeah. That would have made me be like, I'm never watching never MTV, watch again. MTV again. <laughs> music videos. Dun, what a terrible idea. That's dun. what I would have thought. <laughs> Uh, um, yeah. Moving on, song number three. Ooh, number three. This song is "Le Freak" by mm-hmm. Chic. Aw, freak out! It's that song, everybody. Um, so this was so. There's a really interesting story to this song. It was written and produced by two of the band members of Chic, and what they said was that they um, they wrote this song because there was a time when they were refused entrance into Studio 54 mm-hmm. after they were invited in by Grace Jones, but she apparently forgot to tell the staff. And so the original lyric was, aw, oh, fuck off, off. <laughs> because that's what the bouncer said to them. But then, you know, they couldn't say fuck on the radio. They changed it to freak out. Uh, and their chic in general as a band, what they said about like their, their, um, 
message was that like they tried to make good on hippie peace, love and freedom. And they endeavored to quote, express deep hidden meaning in all their songs. Um, and that they, yeah, regarded themselves as a rock band for the disco movement. And this song was selected in 2018 for preservation in the national recording registry for being culturally, historically, or artistically significant. And it was the first song to reach the number one position in the billboard hits 103 separate times. Damn it. Stop it. Um, and it remained the only song to do that until 2008, which is pretty crazy. Nope. All right. Ready? Three, two, one. Yeah. Keep it. Yeah. Keep it. Keep it. It's like cool. It's funky. It's got no like real objectionable stuff in it. And yeah. it's just like. Oh, freak, freak, out. freak out. And I do love knowing that backstory <laughs> that this is. <laughs> yeah. Don't but listen to the songs. Just listen to us doing the songs. Um, I just love Keep that, like, it. knowing the backstory of how they came to the song, that, like, the they channeled that, like, horrible bias. Like, because, you know, the the most of this yeah. band is is black. Um, right. And that they channeled on. So, obviously, like, being not led into Studio 54 was about race, I'm sure. And that, like, they took that and it uh, led to the creation of this this, like, really the song that you wouldn't like, it's really positive and it's about like everybody like let's dance and right. like, let's have a good time, you know? And so I think it's just really awesome that that something so like such a great message came mm-hmm. out of that and that they were able to do that is pretty impressive. So great song next. Yep. So next up we have, Oh yep, yeah, No, we're there. Yep. Donna Summer's bad girls. Donna Summer yeah, again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Off the album, back. the same name. It is the second single released after hot stuff. Which was formerly her highest gross, her highest selling mm. single, replaced by "Bad Girls," um, <laughs> Bad and girl. second biggest song in 1979, baby. No, but um, it was going to be. Um, it was. It was like written by Summer. It was going to be given to share, but Summer re- refused to sell it. Um, and it was written after one of her assistants was confronted by a police officer because the police officer thought that she was a prostitute. Hmm. And so then they went and they wrote this song wow. and it was nominated it won uh the favorite pop rock single and favorite pop rock female artist at uh the American Music Awards in 1980 and it was nominated for the best female pop vocal performance and Best female R&B vocal performance. Nice. Oh yeah, and uh, also Ooh, the toot toot beep beep. That actually <laughs> went like at first I was like, toot, oh toot. that's stupid, and then they're like, oh this is actually like the first instance of that, mm. and like mm-hmm. that became once I actually saw like, oh this is the inspiration for like. So, I'm very sorry, but ignition the ignition remix. Like oh. toot toot beep beep. Mixed uh, sh- yeah, just uh, don't give him any more airtime. Um, but then you know it's also in like Lil Kim and Lizzo's song Fitness. So like mm-hmm. just the idea of like yeah. toot toot. Hers is like toot toot beep beep, but like mm-hmm. the toot toot beep beep. Mm-hmm. Done done. That's, that's, <laughs> that's all. That's all the airtime you're giving. Good yeah. good 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 good. So ready S- ready steady. Three two one no. Yeah. I say no. No, I know. I really want because she wrote it, and like yeah. that's so interesting to know the experience this came from. Mm-hmm. But the way it seems to both simultaneously glorify and really harshly shame prostitution, right. uh, and I, that's not great. Yeah. I 
I really found that like it almost exclusively just shamed mm. them a- at best. It's like, oh, I'm not that different from you. Yeah. So like I'm, you know, pretty close to being as shameful as you. Mm-hmm. But like, yeah, I, I thought it was so weird that it, she didn't go in the direction of like, you know, <laughs> a woman being sexual does not mean that she's, she's a, a sex worker. Right, I know. It's and then crazy. also in the same way sort of linked like the way that it also just like links sex work with just like sadness. I know and bad girls. Like the they're sad, sad girls. Yeah, yeah. It's really, and I think the glory it's cause I watched this music video as well, mm-hmm. which I also think people should watch cause it's a weird one. It's a weird um, one. But body, body positive. I yeah. Think. Oh, super yeah. body positive. And that's like, it's weird just in the, like the like stage, like the direction of mm-hmm. it, I feel like. Um, but I think that's like the glorification part from, to oh, me just came from the video. Yeah. yeah. And just like the, the like body positivity right. and like the fact that everyone was like smiling yeah, and like it was weird. very clean seeming, right. you know? Yeah. Uh, and so like that was the like, that's, but yeah, uh, the song itself just seems to be, yeah, really shaming yeah. sex workers. Um, and I think there's some, there must be something about the fact that it's like <laughs> a dance song that like people who are like dancing and, and, you know, doing, you know, disco and different things that are more you know it's upbeat songs so people that are dancing are going to be like having a lot of fun probably singing along Mm -hmm. but like despite singing along aren't really like getting in the like aren't following the tone of the lyrics but Mm -hmm. the tone of like the instrumentation Mm -hmm. that they're able to just be like you know Bagger. Right, you're I, singing I'm it without like a really happy face right now, but like bag. Yeah, it's just yeah, because you're not thinking about the lyrics, what they mean. Right. You're just like it's, the, the, yeah. The yeah, music makes it, you think it's just a happy song, and it's, it's just no, like man, this is how like yeah, yeah. I just I was like it was I was really disappointed. Yeah, agreed. It's too bad. Um, last but not least, the number one song. There's a lot to say about the context of this song, by the way. I don't know if you know, Stephen, but whoa. teach me. Um, okay. This number one song of 1979, My Sharona by The Knack. Um, Okay, so this was written by these two bandmates, um, Doug Fieger and Burton Avare. And this was their first single. Okay, just to give all the... Yeah, and it was Capitol Records' fastest gold status debut single since The Beatles' I Want to Hold Your Hand in 1964. Now, the story behind this song, there was a real woman named Sharona Alperin, and at the time that she met Doug Fieger, she was 17, and he, Doug, was 26. Um, She had a boyfriend at the time, and um, she was happily with this boyfriend, but Doug was like, he apparently grabbed her within a month after meeting and told her, I'm in love with you, you're my soulmate, you're my other half, we're going to be together one day. Uh, and so she, so he wrote this song about her and also on this album because she, for a year while he was pursuing her, basically she had this boyfriend and she was turning him down for a year. He also wrote frustrated and she's so selfish, which are both on the same album about her. Um, and finally, like a year after that, she did end up breaking up with her. Okay. I'm just going to keep going. This is crazy. She did end up breaking up with her boyfriend and they started dating and they did date for like four years, uh, maybe two years. It was not a long time. And then they eventually like married other people and remained friends until he died. Um, and there was an article of an interview with NPR that came out in 2010 about the song. And then also in 2019, there was like an article cause it was about, it was like 40 or it was however many years. Yeah. 40 years since the song came out. Um, 
And I was like, that article came out in April of 2019. And most of the article was just like about how the story behind this to everyone seems very romantic. Um, and then there was a tiny bit in the article with Sharona in, you know, two months ago in April where she says, uh, you know, she does look back with open eyes on those years dating an older rock star. And she said, quote, is there a more possessive word than my? She says now, I mean, m calling somebody mine. Uh, and that when she broke up with him, a lot of people were like, how could you not want to date this rock star? And she basically said, like, I wanted to be able to say my Sharona. Like, I wanted to be the one possessing the my. Um, but mostly, like, the story behind it, like, people loved the, like, romance of it. That, like, yeah. That's some backstory. Obviously, some opinion has crept into that. I just think it's fascinating also that, like, in 2019, like, she seems today still to not look back on it with the perspective of like that was really wrong mm -hmm. seems kind of interesting and crazy to me fascinating yeah. anyways uh should we keep it do you think no, no. it's it's gone no i just can i do a yeah. dramatic reading of, oh god of some of the i would like to do um yikes please um, and i'm gonna do it like it should be done oh god you're gonna do it all in a creepy voice my little don't do it. Don't do it like pretty that, Steven. One. You're going to traumatize people. My pretty one? When are you going to give me some time, Sharona? Ooh, make my motor run. Make my motor run. Got it coming off the line, Sharona. Never going to This is terrible, stop. Steven. Stop it. Give it up. Such a dirty mind. I always get it up for the touch, touch of, of the, the younger, younger kind. kind. What the? Fuck! And this was a true to life story, yeah. so you know that he actually is talking about a seventeen year old girl. Also, this is you know it's interesting because I just uh, I very notably finished uh, the Gift of Fear recently, and uh, something that people apparently is like uh, talking about manipulative people mm -hmm. that something that they do is like um, like they'll it's not like. There's, I'm getting it confused right now with something called forced teaming, which is like talking about like we's, like introducing mm -hmm. like we's and what you know, and putting people on the same team, but also um, like basically putting it on the other person. Where he goes, like he's saying, like I like I'm horny for you, I'm horny for you, and then says, but like he says such a dirty mind and at least it comes off in this way like he's saying that she has such a dirty mind mm. not like oh. i've got a dirty mind for I you i thought that's what he was oh. saying that he's got a dirty mind i don't know uh <laughs> but even then that's but either worse. way that's I'm right worse. that he I don't knows know what's better he knows it's wrong right. to want her because she's too young but like i still i like it yeah i'm like i don't know what's Ugh. what's what's worse him being just like unabashedly predatory or him being like in denial but also gaslighting. Yeah. What? Right, right. Tell me, <laughs> right. what? Which one? What's is sexier to you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and she she posed for the cover of both this album and the following album of theirs, um, and it's just so clear the like he, uh, well, and obviously like this song like blasted like was so so famous and yeah. so like be made them famous, but like the power there of like this rock god now like wants me you know right. and just like the it's just crazy it's just so ah, it's just so creepy yeah, it's so, so it, creepy 
yeah and yeah my sharona like my, just yeah. not yours dude well, this is Ay-y-y-y. depressing yeah those are the songs and of 1979 like, what's also kind of funny about that is like he's like not that famous now no yeah this was really their biggest hit yeah right so it is kind of weird that like she felt weird because he was famous but then now it's like well he's famous for that song he wrote after you felt weird about rejecting him for being (laughs) famous so like yeah weird yeah all the weird things things. um well now we're gonna move over to kramer versus kramer and i'm gonna say Stephen, thanks for holding me reminding me to do this (laughs) you didn't um i feel like i wasn't really given (laughs) you weren't that was a joke um, (laughs) to forget it was Um, a joke um so 1979 is the year of guys relationships are hard that's this year Right, we've heard it in a lot of the songs. Not all of them. I did my best. Ten songs and a movie. Yeah. But that's, I feel like that's where I'm, I'm sticking by it. You. Fair. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if there, I feel like there might be something somewhere in like a, I need to be me. Mm. The year mm. of needing to. So this is why I don't do this. <laughs> <laughs> this is why. I, I am my own my. Yeah. I am. Go. I am my uh, own my. That's going to be the name of my new solo show. Yeah, and then you'll get sued by Doug Wright. <laughs> I, I am my own my. <laughs> I am my own wife. My. No, that, I, I mean, am my but own it's wife, different. Yes. I am my own my. Fair. Um. Anyways, well, yeah, we'll we'll call it that. So Kramer versus Kramer. Let's jump into this movie. Let's um, do it. Hit it all. Okay, I'm going to give us a synopsis. Um, here we go. So this movie is start. It's about Ted Kramer, who is this workaholic ad executive. Um, in the beginning of the movie, he arrives home to deliver the good news that he's just been assigned this really important, lucrative account at his accounting firm, only to find out that his wife, Joanna, is leaving him, um, saying she needs to find herself and leaving him behind to raise their five-year-old son, Billy, all alone. Mm. Uh, and so she leaves and we don't see her for quite a long time. And Ted and Billy initially kind of resent each other. Um, Ted is not very good at parenting because he's pretty much never done any of it before. He didn't even know what grade his son was in uh, or where the pan was, for example, in the kitchen. Uh, and Billy obviously misses his mom. Um, and so basically, you know, Ted tries for a lot of the movie. It's us watching Ted trying to sort of balance work and being a single father. And there's a lot of challenges in that and a lot of uh their, you know, the relationship with his son is not good at first. Uh, and af- but after many months of this, they gradually begin to bond and sort of create this rhythm together and form this, this father-son love. Um, and meanwhile, while this is happening, Ted befriends his neighbor, Margaret, who used to be friends with Joanna and is also divorced. She actually got divorced, divorced before Joanna and Ted did. Um, and she's, Margaret is now raising her two daughters alone after her husband left when she divorced him. Um, so then basically 15 months go by. So 15 months after Joanna first walked out on them, she returns to New York and tells Ted that she wants custody of Billy, uh, because she says she spent a lot of time getting in touch with herself, understanding what happened and why she left. Uh, and she loves her son and she wants him back. And so then they go into this big custody battle, um, because by now, of course, Ted does not want to give up his son. Uh, they go to court and there's some very contentious courtroom drama. Uh, and after all of that, custody is awarded to Joanna. Um, but during all the courtroom scenes and everything, while Joanna is learning about Ted's relationship with the son, she realizes that Ted has changed and how much he and Billy have bonded. And so in the last moment before she's supposed to take Billy to live with her, she tells Ted that she's not going to take custody of him. 
Uh, and the film just ends with not really with a res- resolution, but with her getting in the elevator to go up to the apartment and just talk to Billy. So we don't know exactly what's going to happen next, but we know that she does not um, take custody of him. And that's the movie in a very fast nutshell. Yeah, nice. So uh, this movie was made for $8 million, grossing a whopping $106 million, which mm-hmm. is fairly low comparatively uh, mm-hmm. to what we've experienced around this. I feel like that was like a good 1970. Ooh, burn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, this movie was nominated for nine Academy Awards, and it won, which was like the most of the year, and it won five of them, Best Picture, Best Director, Best Actor, Best Supporting Actress, and Best Adapted Screenplay. It was from a 1977 novel by Avery Corman, um, who has had, uh, who had another of one of his novels, Oh God. That's what it's called? That, that's not what... Uh, the novel is called. That's that's not what the Kramer versus Kramer novel is called. No, but, the, but, uh, but oh is, god, yeah, oh, okay. oh god, <laughs> okay, is, was also made into uh, <clears throat> a film um, in 1977, uh, the year Kramer versus Kramer came out. Hmm. Um, but yeah, so um, this was directed by uh, Robert and written and directed by Robert Benton, uh, who wrote a number of other films, none of them particularly famous, but. What I thought was really interesting was that he is dyslexic and he has like been very open about like how he's sort of managed a career with dyslexia. And for someone who was writing in the 70s, I, I feel like there wouldn't be a lot mm-hmm. of uh, aid in that regard. So mm-hmm. I think that was like that was very cool. Um, this was uh, this, uh, this was Dustin Hoffman's first Oscar. Uh, we talked a lot about him in Oh, yeah, I should say, Dustin Hoffman plays episode. Ted. Meryl Streep plays Joanna. I didn't say that at all yet. Yeah. Did you? Um, yes, we did. We talked about him way back him when. way back in our inaugural Midnight episode. Cowboy. Midnight Cowboy. 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 Um, so to acquiesce to Gina's rigid timetable. Thank you. I'll There's just, no timer. Yeah. There could um, be. There could be. Right. And as much as I like to repeat myself, I also <laughs> just won't. <laughs> um, no, but so this was his first Oscar. Um, mm. Meryl Streep, who played Joanna, this was her first Oscar as well. Uh, we talked about her just last week in The Deer Hunter. We did. Um, so this was the first movie commenting on, it will become more relevant later. This is not, I, I'm just, I'm not feeling like it is the most immediately relevant thing to say, mm. but this is the first film that she made after mm-hmm. John Cazale died. Um, yeah. And then she was supposed to be auditioning for the secretary. And then she fought her way into audition for Joanna because she hated the way that it was portrayed in the book. She thought she was an ogre and an ass. This is an air quotes and a princess uh, and a princess, a princess, yeah. an ogre and an ass, which is um, a nice fairy tale story title. Right. Nice. Uh, yeah. Well, Good right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was initially given to Kate Jackson, who couldn't do it because of Charlie's Angels, and then it was then offered to Faye Dunaway, Jane Fonda, and Ally McGraw. Remember her? Love yeah. story. Um, so <laughs> they all turned it down, and it went to it turned Meryl it down. Streep. She fought, and like, well, once she got in the room. They were like, the producers and people were mad and the studios didn't want her because 
A, they didn't think that she was like famous beautiful enough. enough. Mm-hmm. Beautiful and uh, famous enough. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and like they thought that she was more, that she had the look of a character actress and mm-hmm. not a leading lady. And then um, also she had only made one film. Um, though it was the Oscar winner of the previous <laughs> yeah, year, which is made. still crazy. But at the time, it may not have been released. Mm. Um, and so then, um, yeah, so then once she auditioned, yeah, the the director was like, God, you know, what what, what was her name? Marl? What? And he goes, you know, Dustin Hoffman was like, her name's Joanna. <laughs> yeah, this is my very... Her name's Joanna. He's a little nasally. He's not... Uh, 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 her name is Joanna. Uh, her name's Joanna. Uh, 37 short. I don't know. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so then Justin Henry, who played the son, he was <gasps> so the cute. youngest ever actor nominated in any category. Youngest ever to be nominated in any category. Well, he was well, nominated for supporting actor. Did he win? Uh, he did not win. Oh. Oh, no, I know. I think uh, Anna Paquin is the youngest to ever win um, in the mm, piano mm, in the early 90s. Mm. Um, but then uh, Jane Hoffman, who played Margaret, she was the leader of the NEA under Clinton. Which oh. I thought was pretty cool. That is cool. Um, and then this was one of uh, the first films to display a woman leaving her husband. And this was also during the peak of the the peak of the American divorce rate. Um, nine years prior, you had the beginning of no fault divorces. Um, so it was in the beginning of the, it was the late sixties and beginning of the seventies in which you didn't have to, uh, prove infidelity and awareness of, and you had to prove a lack of awareness prior. Um, this was just in reading about it. They were saying that like that to protect the, to keep people from getting divorced, judges would look for like any examples in which to which they could find the other person like complicit in the fault so that then it could be seen so that the fault could be wiped away um and so then once no fault divorces happen then people who were wanting a divorce because they were unhappy finally were able to so you had a a surge of divorces um and this was the highest point. What I thought was really interesting is after the 70s, it's not a sharp fall, but it has fallen significantly. And now if you are like now the determining factors in terms of like who is most likely to get divorced, uh, uh, poor and working class people are most likely to get divorced um, within like 11 years. However, the highest divorce rates now are people who are uh like over 55 so the basically the the age group that has maintained the highest divorce rate is the age group that was basically getting married in this period of time Hmm. that like my personal theory has always been that it has to do with like uh like nor like like social pressure mm-hmm. that like now one of the reasons that 
divorce rate is so much lower is like there's so much the significantly mm. less social pressure to, to get, get married. married so yeah. the people who get married really want to get married yeah um obviously there are plenty of communities that put lots of pressure sure. in that regard but in terms of the country as a whole um it is pretty low um but then at the time that pressure was much higher and so those people that were getting married mm-hmm. and they're yeah. also there's like a kind of pressure towards domesticity etc and a certain kind of marriage dynamic that might have been expected that then w- predominantly women because apparently once no-fault divorces were enacted like roughly 70 percent of the divorces were initiated by women um which probably speaks a lot to which no i would say definitely speaks a lot to uh the agency before during and after that uh women had i feel weird that it's just me commenting i know this is my role but would you like do you feel do you agree in that do you uh, feel like do you feel like that that, that like I just feel like it's. Do you want? You're giving context. I mean, I know I'm giving the context, but I'm also giving a little bit of uh, my own interpretation. I'm giving a little opinion. No, let's just keep going. I'm good. Heard, heard, (laughs) heard, dog. Um, Yeah. So then, that is. Yeah, because that's basically the end of it. So yeah, um, interesting. Very interesting. Yeah, let's get on. We're kind of. I'm excited. Me too. Oh yeah. Ready? ready? Three, two, two, one. No. 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 Good, good, good. Yeah. I was kind of hoping we'd have to fight about this one. No, I don't I don't think that we do. Alas. Um, I'll start us off Please. with the core of the movie being the biggest problem, you know, the biggest reason to get rid yeah. of it, which is so one thing is I did find a quote from the novelist um, who wrote the novel that this was uh, adapted mm-hmm. from. And he said, and this was actually a quote from uh, 2016, and so, and this is sort of like him looking back on writing the novel, so not him at the time, which I think is even more interesting potentially. But he said that essentially why he wrote the book was he wanted to counteract the, quote, toxic rhetoric he'd been hearing from feminists who he felt lumped all men together as a, quote, whole bunch of bad guys. And so, again, that's him sort of looking back on sort of right. why he wanted to write the novel. And so it's clear throughout that, like, the sort of the victim and the hero is completely Dustin Hoffman's character. Mm-hmm. Um, and that it seems like the message of the movie is if Joanna hadn't left in the first place, then like no problem. There wouldn't have been a problem. You know, like that, like the whole reason it's a problem is because she left. Right. And so in the end she doesn't get what she wants. You know, she had, she doesn't take her son back even though she could, because she knows it's wrong, you know, like because he has a home here, um, you know, and that's sort of like, it feels like the message is like, well, if you had stayed, uh, you know, that like that was sort of the problem, you know, but if but really the problem is that Dustin Hoffman's character, Ted, was not a good husband, you know, and wasn't he didn't treat her like a human. He didn't listen to her, uh, which he even had, you know, they say point right, blank. Like, he did not listen to what she wanted or like she, he would ignore her when she talked about wanting to work again. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so like it's pretty clear that like the actual problem is just him as a person, not being able to see his wife as a person. Yeah. Uh, when really it feels like the movie is framing it as the problem was that this woman left and did something a little bit irrational, uh, and then realized her mistake too late. And that's on her now. And, and that, you know, we get to see him. It was like, so this is actually, I'm going to attribute this where it belongs, which is to Quinn. 
um, my partner who said he was like the mess this this is telling us that there's nothing better for a mother than loving her child but it's okay for a man to love his child that that was sort of like yeah. what was happening in this movie because like it is beautiful that we see this man develop a bond with his son you know and like love his kid but like yeah obviously a father should also love his child <laughs> right but it's not the only thing for a mother to like you know it seemed like also the message in the end it's like she realized the whole time that as a mother like her greatest accomplishment would be her son you know uh and yeah and i felt like um i i agree 100 percent because there were a number of different sources that talk about this film being sort of acclaimed because it gave gave credence to both signs mm. and i was sitting here being like yeah. i get that it is like saying that he as a husband like even though he was like typifying maleness it's not like he should be a good caregiver too like maybe there was such a dearth of that at the time that it was given a lot of like credence for showing that there were both signs mm -hmm. but like it did not give Show her any side. credence to the idea of like why a woman would need to leave. Yeah. We literally don't see anything that ha like we see her leave and we see her come back and we don't any of the and, moments and like of stalking the child. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> the moments of choice and change for her. We never see like we and we're told that she has this friendship with Margaret. We never see a scene of the two of them talking, yeah. you know. Uh, and like she goes through, she says, she comes, comes back and she says she like learned so many things about herself while she was away. We never see that, you know, it's like, we do not get anything. And Meryl Streep was amazing in this mm -hmm. movie. And so the only reason I feel like that this, that you could watch it and like not think about that too deeply is because she brings such right. life to this character. Which another reason that I feel like the movie should go is that. Dustin Hoffman was such a driving force behind the production oh of this God. movie. And he, he was a monster her on basically every character choice that she made. And like we're if we're saying that, like, they're the only things that make the, the parts of like the, the mom depiction of the mom, like remotely. OK, like he hated all of it. Yeah. Yeah. And and like the fact that he would. So, okay, we talked about this when we were talking about, like, a tour directing in the very first episode of the podcast that, like, I hate <laughs> fucking people who call themselves method actors. Oh, God, it's so... And because not only is that... Yes, agreed. But also it's like, do what you need for your process, whatever. I hate it right. still. But he was, like, forcing method practices on mm -hmm. his cast members, including the little kid. He, like, yeah. told the kid. He was like, yeah, this is nice how the, the, the crew is, like, your family, right? Look at that guy. You might never see that guy again. Right. F these things don't stick around. He was, like, right. per he was pushing that onto people and, like, playing with their emotions and digging up all these personal things in such an right. abusive and way. Like, you know, like yelling at Meryl Streep about John Cazale right. and like wanting her still fresh pain. <sighs> and like, honestly, my thought about it, about like people doing like method, whatever. Because <laughs> like, what do we think about? We think about like people who don't get out of character right, or whatever. Right, right. Well, like, I'm sorry. You, Ted Kramer, 
wouldn't bend down and tell his son that all the crew that are filming him aren't his real family. Like, that doesn't make sense. No, there right, isn't, right. That's not that's part not, of the character. No, that's just you being a dick. Right. So, like, it doesn't make sense. And not also, trusting your... Like, because yeah. the, the core of it is that he doesn't... Tr- he knows the way to do it and that he doesn't trust anyone else to do a, quote, good job right. unless he pushes them to do the good job. And then he can take credit for it, too. You know, it's like and, he doesn't trust anyone. Um, <sighs> in we, we had talked about the Vanity Fair article that uh was written about Meryl Streep in particular around her time we're doing Kramer versus Kramer that like she was told by the director during the courtroom scene uh the monologue which she wrote and she Dustin wrote. Hoffman was pissed about it yeah. and then she was like told during the first shot which was the wide to like save her energy and her emotions for the close-ups and she didn't just as like a way of saying you know Fuck you, Dustin Hoffman. I I don't need your emotionally, not even just like emotionally, but like physically abusive tactics to get a performance. Because on the second day of shooting, he literally slaps her in the face so that she will like be emotionally in this scene with him without telling her, obviously. Uh, and then also in another day of shooting, he doesn't tell her and he throws a wine glass yeah. at the wall right by your head. And there's like glass in her hair just to get, you know, a real, a real raw right. oh, feeling. Yeah. And uh. she though, apparently she was just like, she's such a badass. Cause oh, she, yeah. after that moment, she just like, she, she like refused to show him emotions about like how things were affecting mm-hmm. him, except for like on the, in the scene. So she right. was the only time she showed emotions. But then after something like that, she was like, Next time you do something like that, I'd appreciate it if you told me first, you know, or something, you know, like again, without him. Emo- and I'm just like, you're a badass, yeah. Meryl. And then Ugh. he's sitting there being like, oh, she's so cold. Yeah. She doesn't do, do Oh, God. And right, I'm like, right. Yeah. He's cold. She's cold to you because you're a fucking dick who doesn't trust her to do her job. Like, yeah. you are the fucking worst. And also, yeah. the other reason that I hate method acting is who have we. Who is always the method actor? The dude. The, the dude. Like, yeah. I've like never heard dude. of a fucking. Yeah. I've never heard of anyone but a white dude <laughs> doing the crazy shit that yeah. quote unquote method right. actors do. Because they're going to get away with it right. because they're enti- They're white dudes. You know, I'm like, <laughs> no one else can. But but for them, it's like, oh, they're dedicated to the craft. Oh, they're man. fucking dedicated <laughs> to the craft. I mean, like, they're not like, I mean. I've heard of like method actors being like, oh, this next scene takes place in a different day. I got to change my underwear in the wings. I'm like, what? <laughs> whatever, man. I guess your character <laughs> also you? changes in the wings of a stage right, next right, to a right. set of flies. Yeah, if we're, if we're really going there. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fucking bullshit. Yeah. But like, that's just you. So like, do whatever sure, you need. Right. You know? Exactly. And like, they, I was watching uh, Aaron Sorkin's master class mm. and he was talking about like Alec Baldwin before some. Uh, like medical movie they did together, like wanting to watch surgeons. And he was like, "Uh, I don't think that's important, but as an actor, what is important is that you fucking nail it. So (laughs) whatever you need to do to nail it, nail it. Like it's great. I'm like, that's, that's exactly right. Except when you fucking are slapping people oh and throwing shit, that has nothing to do with your ability to. Yeah. Right. And in that same, just cause yeah, like she, the, she made she made suggestions that led to the changes that allowed her character to have any like mm-hmm. life and vulner and like empathy basically and so like in the scene the same scene where he throws the wine glass at the wall behind her she also suggests she like offered the very smart suggestion of like swapping some information that she says in the scene so it's right. clear that like 
you know, yeah, her priorities are, are clear. And apparent and Dustin Hoffman just said to her, Meryl, why don't you stop carrying the flag for feminism and just act the scene? And like, so it's clear from the ground up that like this is a defensive movie made by men who feel defensive about being called out by women, you know, and right. the fact that like it's about them being like women are being so mean right now. They're not listening to us anymore. So we got to make this movie to show that like men are men are the victims, you know, mm -hmm. and I'm like, I just can't believe th and they don't even like mask it at all. They're not even like trying to hide it, you know, which right. that wouldn't be better. But like. It's just crazy. Yeah, I was also like, so I was also annoyed when things would happen that I liked because immediately one of two things would happen. Immediately, one is something he would do something that was shitty, or like it the it's true it, it was some, let me let me just instead of doing a bad wording of it so like something that he would involve him like fucking up immediately afterwards uh one you have that like really i thought like touching confession scene to his son i mean i i i liked mm -hmm. it because he was just he said you know basically she left because I didn't pay me. attention and yeah. you know I, I that anytime I thought that I thought that anytime I was happy she's she was happy but underneath I think that she was very sad and that she stayed here longer than she wanted because she loves you so much and the reason why mommy couldn't stay anymore was because she couldn't stand me she didn't leave because of you she left because of me and mm -hmm. I was like I thought that that was yeah. really touching. And in the very next scene, he's like with Margaret and they're like washing dishes. And then he like walks past her and he like has like a, like a, oh, you know, kind of thing that might be like, you might like elbow somebody, but instead he like pats her like on the ass. On the ass. And I was like, yeah. what? Well, and that was because he did that because she got emotional after he asked her if he was like, if anything was to happen to me, I want you to take care. Would you be okay taking care of Billy? Right. And she starts like tearing up and I was like, oh, interesting. Cool. This will be a moment where she's going to be like, I honestly, like I already have two kids. Like it's hard. To, mm. I'm a mother and like, I'm just a mother again. And like, I don't, I love him and I you know, but it's complicated, yeah. but she doesn't even get to speak. She doesn't respond. She just like smiles and wipes away her tears. Like I'm so honored. So, uh, yeah. And then he pats her on the butt to be like, oh, thanks. Thanks friend. Right. And I'm like, oh yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. exactly. Right. And then the other, the other scene is like, he loses his job right before the custody hearing so he like has to like run to get a job and he, when he finally does he's like so happy that he's like walking out sees a woman fucking grabs her and kisses her i'm like yeah. dude you just sexually assaulted a woman you've been hired for less than one minute right, and she's works in the same place as right. you <laughs> you yeah. fucking crazy person and yeah. she doesn't even like she doesn't even smile she's not like it's not even a situation where she like is like oh well, we don't well, even honey, see her face we no. do not see her face absurd i was just like fuck every time something like remotely okay happens it's like Duh. well um, and the job thing too i'm like because he basically yeah he's like i will have a job in 24 hours and it's like yeah. the, the friday before the christmas vacation it's like right. everything's closing and he gets a job you know and i'm like great also because and then he says to his son at some point he's like i because i oh i don't remember the son but it was something like i told them i want or I, I wanted it or something and they gave it to me and like and it's you know and i'm like yes you think because you have been 
entitled and privileged mm. to everything your whole life. Like you are going to be like, yeah, I'm going to go out there and I am going to get a job. And like 24 hours later, the white guy gets a pretty good job. I and mean, it's like, it's a downgrade from where he was before, right. but it's still like he has this beautiful, huge office and it's like, and remember son, like you can get whatever you ask for, you know? And right. like, and that just is so it's infuriating, you know? Uh, yeah. And then I thought like there were other moments that like, even though I thought that they were like interesting, they were not true of, again, I'm not going to try to phrase it. I'm just going to list the, list the moments in the film. Um, so like once he becomes the caregiver, he starts seeing Dustin Hoffman get faced with a lot of the questions that like women get faced with of like, you know, you're not balancing work and your child and like I can't depend on you and I thought that like it kind of did an interest you know I thought it was kind of interesting that it seemed to be questioning like not only is it that like we put too much of the caregiving on women but also that like the way that like like businesses treat like the ideal career man, like having to be a workaholic and like absolutely at the beck and call of whatever their industry is. Mm -hmm. It's like, Oh yeah, that's like also wrong and like Mm -hmm. Mm anti-human, but like he's now a single parent and like all of those same pressures are true on working women within a marriage. Mm -hmm. So like it doesn't in terms of like showing both sides, like it does show what, like something single mothers face, but like really that's an issue that that all mothers face. And for him, it would be fixed if he was married, but like it doesn't imply in any way that like it's wrong for women even within a marriage. Like I thought that when they do the, um, when they talk about her at the custody hearing and like the job that she has, I was sitting there being like, well, like she would then like all the like the reason that all the things that happened that caused him to lose his job she would then be faced with all of those exact things and mm. it didn't really like i felt like it just kind of skirted yeah fate t- facing those issues directly yeah well cuz i feel like if the lesson if a lesson that somebody learned or mm. or talked about in some way was like dustin hoffman being like oh wow it is really hard to be a mom I bet Mm -hmm. you know or like or like yeah somebody saying like these pressures that are put on working mothers like that's a lot like but it seemed to be not it wasn't addressing the fact that like I was more interested in like how is Margaret raising her two kids by herself you know right um and and yeah and like we don't know how any of the women are doing what they do Mm -hmm. and so I was like far more fascinating to know fascinated to know yeah like what would be a scene like does Margaret have a job like she's got two kids what's the deal you know there um but that it felt like all those issues were just just on Dustin Hoffman. Like they weren't about women who are Mm -hmm. working mothers. They were just about him seeing his son as an inconvenience and then like learning to love his son, you know? And then you had the other scene where like toward the, toward the, I don't know. I don't know. The second half the middle of the second half of the film, he is like making breakfast and like reading the paper and you see like his son kind of pouring his own cereal and like Mm -hmm. looking at the comics and he puts his feet up and his son puts his feet up and I'm like, okay, they have like this kind of mutual dependence. If it was Meryl Streep, though, 
the kid would still be expecting her to do like fulfill all the same roles mm-hmm. and work as well mm-hmm. that like we I, I i i have not seen at least represented um that kind of like mutual dependence or not like mutual dependence but like the kid assuming some of the responsibility when the sole uh when the sole caregiver is the mom mm. is that do you feel like you have seen that i feel uh, like uh, i feel like i have yeah, you, you I feel know. like i'm being clear do i feel like I'm, no i think you are sorry i yeah no yeah mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I'm sorry. I don't have examples off the top of my head. But no, I don't yeah. need but you yeah. to like have yeah, yeah. an example. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I'm just, I just like, know. I was just sitting there being like, oh, this seems like it's being framed as like a product of them working together and like, oh, they're like working together to create this family, which just kind of annoyed me because I was like, it, I feel like I don't like it's being shown as like this like cool, good thing, but not at all. Like, it's also, again, skirting the fact that, like, yeah, does Margaret have that relationship with her kids? Or is she having to do, like, is she having to work as hard as she was within her marriage? And, like, assuming also, like, both caregiving roles and then do what whatever her job is because we don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I would, yeah, I don't know. And mm-hmm. I would like to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, I was like... You're very wealthy. Why do you not just hire like a live-in nanny at the beginning? Why was that not your solution to the problem? Like that just didn't check out for me. Because his the salary, by the way, um, was low by today's standards, thirty-three thousand. But like adjusting for that time, it's like one hundred twenty thousand dollars. Right. Hire a nanny. Yeah. Right. That would be like the first thing I'm, I'm sure that somebody in his position would, would think to do because yeah. he's like, Oh, I don't know how to do those things. That's not my realm. Great. Someone else will do it I mean, for me. You know, either hire an Annie or take him to daycare. Yeah. Like, yeah. And of course there's the element too of like, so he, he sleeps with his, this woman who works at his original office, mm-hmm. uh, accounting firm mm-hmm. who we, you know, uh, is naked and we see that one time and, there's a very funny scene where she like runs into his son accidentally and like it is very funny but she's also naked the whole time and so we just like see her naked body we do not need to and then we never see her again and also like uh but later like she's referenced like uh there billy asks are you gonna marry whatever her name is patricia or something and he's like no we're just good friends and i'm like are you good friends we have not seen you since that one clip and then in the courtroom of course uh meanwhile they grill joanna about how many like boyfriends Boyfriends, she has is she seeing anyone right now and they of course do not ask him the same question and we're like well we know he's seeing at least somebody you know like right did they say did your any of your boyfriends ever walk out right exactly (laughs) yeah like and and also i was like because the sun was up and like in an early scene when the sun gets up he when wow i'm like Um, (laughs) sorry sun or sun (laughs) (laughs) Um, but when the boy wakes up. It's like six forty-five. Mm-hmm. He says it's a quarter to seven. Mm-hmm. So we know he gets up early, and so he's sitting. So when the sun is coming up, 
Dustin Hoffman doesn't even say like put on a robe, don't walk I naked know. to the bathroom. Right. He's like, like oh, that's a closet. What? The door's over there. That's all. And she's just naked. I know. I was like, yeah. what the hell? And, and and then it's like it's just played kind of for a laugh because we're watching this little kid look right. at a naked woman, but like not being right. Just asking her like normal. Like he's like, yeah. do you like fried chicken? <laughs> you know? You're yeah. Like, okay. Fucking weird. Um, also, yeah. Margaret gets asked out by her French professor, mm-hmm. and I was like. What? Like that's not okay. Like you, you're there is a professional dynamic there. Oh, we also didn't talk about that. Uh, does he ask his secretary out on the work forms that he asked her to proofread, or does she just I, yeah. say? Is it like a way of her being like for like yeah like oh being forward? I like, think I it's know. meant to be her being forward. Okay. I also think she's not his. I think she might be like a copywriter or something because we see his secretary earlier and she's she has person. does not have glasses and this lady has very big crazy glasses okay. that she can't see without we learn um so i think it was like the her being forward um which like cool but then uh nothing except you being naked for right. for a laugh you know yeah um speaking of margaret though i also like it's so frustrating to me because the way that female friendship is portrayed in this movie is like is a we don't ever see it but then also you know, it's only like the male characters all just sort of roll their eyes and talk about this sort of like lit girls club, like where Mm -hmm. they just talk and the assumption that like Margaret convinced Joanna or talked Joanna into getting a divorce. Right. And the idea that like women being together will make both women speak their mind more and how that is clearly framed as like dangerous and like whether or not like the fact that she did say something like, well, if you're not happy, you should leave. Like, is is sort of like a linchpin of like part of the evidence you know and like that's so crazy and she so she just becomes friends with him instead and uh abandons the friendship that she had with Mm -hmm. this woman and then like their friendship in the first place is only used as like slander kind of yeah i mean so i don't i don't entirely negate that i do feel like he the lawyer tells him like I'm going to have to play really dirty. Mm-hmm. So part of me does feel like that was kind of part and parcel of like both lawyers being like really nasty. Yeah. Um, but I think like the meaning behind it is like the joke, the not joke, the sort of like dismissive nature the whole time was like, Oh, I bet these women like talked each other into getting divorces. Mm-hmm. And then the moment where, like, we learn the truth, which is that, like, yes, they did support each other in their choices to make a change, right. you know, it's is only, like, used, it's, you know, yeah, like, yeah. yes, that did happen, and that was part of the, fra- like, see, isn't it true that, like, women talking to each other creates this situation, you know? Yeah, and it's also, you know, it's coming to mind now for me that it's, making the case that it is dangerous as a married person to fraternize with divorced people because Mm -hmm. they will inevitably convince you to get divorced. Yeah. Um, And and then also I just want to say like that I I think you're absolutely right. It, It does not make sense that she would be Joanna's best friend and then go seamlessly into being his. Like right. she would, she's heard all the stories. Joanna yeah. Right. <laughs> and like try to talk to her and yeah. not 
Yeah, and she's heard all this. She wouldn't just become his best friend. And the reason she becomes his best friend is because Joanna leaves her son behind. And the fact that, like, her friend doesn't value being a mother, I think, is, like, the reason where she's like, oh, well, then I can't be friends with her, you know? Right. And, like, that does not make sense. That's not what would happen in real life if these were real humans. Yeah, and I also feel like she's built up in this way of, like, it's like, yeah, she's divorced, but like with like like the good kind, which is that <laughs> yeah. she says has this speech about how she just could never be with anyone again because like her husband is is her always husband. be her husband yeah. till death do us part like has right. some meaning to her, even though in the same breath, basically she talks about, yeah, he's sleeping around with right. other people. But and then but it ends and then it ends with we never we don't see what happens. But in the end of the movie, the last thing we see of her is is her telling Ted that um, they're going to meet up, you know, yeah. and like, he, you know, maybe they're going to give it a shot. Right. And like that would be the happy ending for this story is mm. like that they could get back together. <sighs> yeah. It, I want to leave this movie behind. Disappointing. Let's yeah. move. Let's yeah. be done. Let's be done. Do you want to do a countdown or can we just Sh- be I mean, done with it? we're done with it. We're done with and it. And Dustin Hoffman, God, I can't believe what a monster he was on set. It's just so creepy. Ugh. Yeah. I'm, like the fact that that was like known that he was like that makes it just surprising to me. A, that it took until 2018 mm-hmm. for him to get like fucking booted from Hollywood mm-hmm. and then also like yeah I'm surprised that it took that long I don't know what my I forgot my second point but I can't believe it took that long yeah no, and oh same. and that people were surprised right 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 when it's like you this was common knowledge yeah. I'm sure yeah all right bye so, so. Oh, I thought you were saying, I was saying bye to the show to the movie Kramer versus Kramer, Kramer, versus Kramer. bye and bye we're versus also saying goodbye bye. to the seventies. Oh, this M-Gerd. was our that seventies show. Oh, that's, that's okay. it's over. I, there wasn't a thing that I made, but it was okay. It's all right. That's, it was, we'll, yeah. we'll cut that out and post. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. Sure. Yeah, we'll I believe make, it. I'll make a note. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah. Uh, we're done with the seventies, which is exciting. Right. Which means um, we're not going to tell you too much, but we've got some cool we've plans. Got some special plans as just for like a bonus, a little send off, a little wrap up so a little farewell because to the 70s we've really loved the sweet sweet uh patriarchal bias and uh racism of the 70s we love we're just it. not ready to leave it behind <laughs> we want to continue to dip s- our yeah. toe yes um uh, so yeah. there will be a special episode there's gonna be some trivia oh there's oh. gonna be some pitches oh, oh. oh. there's gonna there's be, be some, some betting what? what does that even mean oh god yeah so you'll uh, have to find ooh, out you'll have to Oh, you better listen to that GD sewed. Oh you gotta stop that. Let's. Should we keep that? Should we? No. Should Steven, we? Steven. Should we? Steven, no. You know what? I'm hey. just gonna add it next week. Oh my God. That's okay. Then I'll get rid of it next week. It'll yeah. be a fun thing. Right, Gina. Where can they? You know find by now. To just to just blah, blah, blah. put just just type. GD, 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 hello, GD, hello. No, what, what's a good, what's a good hashtag joke? Goodbye. Okay, no, G- there's nothing. Yeah, there's G-D not a thing. G, yeah, Gina with a G. 
Stephen Moskis. Stephen with a Moskis. Rock Rising Productions. Mm. All the things. Oh, yeah. See you next time. As long as I know I love, I know I'll stay alive. Oh. It was like a slow, there was like a crooning. It's not that, it's like, long how we survive. As long as I know I how to love, I know I'll be alive. I got all my love to give you. You said it was my version time, Stephen. You're stealing my time. I will survive. I will survive. Oh, I'm now I feel now I want you to join because I feel vulnerable. No, no. Oh, okay, great. I'm my pieces of my broken heart. And then I spent so many nights just thinking how you did me wrong and I grew strong. And, and I don't how to get, get along and now, now I'm back from outer, outer space. space. Just walked on then to the door the, the look, look upon, upon my face. face. <laughs>